Hallelujah. When we come in here, we use our outside voice. Give a shout to the Lord. Good to see you. And uh, I've got a little more than just one scripture to read, so you can be seated this morning as we get ready to get into our lesson. New series today, uh, The Big Story. And um, God's got a story, don't he? I'm glad I'm part of it. And I'm part of it. In Ephesians uh, chapter 1, in verse 3, I'm going to start there. Paul wrote, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. Aren't you glad that God chose us? That we should be holy and without blame he didn't choose us because we are holy he chose us that we should be holy and without blame before him in love it's going to take him for that to happen having predestinated us into the adoption of children by jesus christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will to the praise of the glory of his grace wherein he has made us accepted in the beloved in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, wherein he has abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. Let's pray for the lesson today. Lord, thank you for your wonderful word. Thank you for choosing us, for being our God and making us to be your people. ask you to help us understand in your word, to receive it, to grow in it, that we can be better and be ready to meet you when you come. We ask it in Jesus' name and everyone said amen. Give the Lord another hand clap of praise this morning. Thankful for his word. Thankful to be a part of the body today. The big story, Uh, and today we're talking about, over these next four lessons, we'll be examining that story, but today we want to talk about and start that it was God's plan, God's divine plan, and that the big story of Scripture, I mean, when we take this book, you can't just take a paragraph or a chapter or one verse, but this Scripture, this big story shows us the necessity of yielding to God's divine plan. It's one thing to know that God's got a plan, but it's another thing to yield to it, to obey that, to be willing and obedient so that we can have what God wants us to have. God's got plans for you and me. God, uh, and you need to know today that you have purpose in the kingdom of God. Uh, in this life, you know, if people feel like they don't have purpose, they uh, they lose hope, they lose focus, they lose desire, they just don't care anymore. People feel like, well, what's the point in living? And people will give up. If they feel like they're useless at their job, they'll quit their job. If they feel like they're useless in life, they'll quit life. I mean, it happens all the time. And so understanding that It's more than just you and me. It's him. 
We always say, well, it's all about him. Everything God did, he, he did with purpose and with a design in mind. And uh, when we start uh, thinking about even from the beginning of Scripture, uh, we read and we find out that there is a God. In the beginning, God. We're introduced to a God. There's no uh, backstory of where he came from. There's no explanation about, um, you know, uh, where how he existed. It just says that he was. That's that's what we know about God. He simply was, and we see that he is a creator. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and then we find out that he speaks, and God said, "Let there be light." And as you follow creation, you see that he, he wasn't just uh, slinging things out uh, to see where they would land. He was speaking things into existence, commanding things to come forth. He, was, he created light and darkness, separated them, and, and made day and night. And then he uh, divides the, the heavens from the earth. He splits the waters, and, and then he calls forth the, the dry land to come forth. And he's got, uh, on one day, he's got... The fish and now the birds, the fowls of the air, everything's coming uh, together. He's speaking these things into existence. And every time he sees that it's good, he's creating things. And at the end of the day, and God saw what he had done and it was good. And that's the, the next day and the next day. But when he's all done, when there's no more animals to create, the stars are in place, the moon, the sun are doing what they're supposed to do. The sun rises and sets as he's designed it. The ocean waves stop where he commands them to stop. And uh, everything, the rivers are flowing in the direction that he designed them to flow. The birds are flying just like he designed them to fly. With all the things, the millions and billions of things that we can't even see that he created, all now in existence, it's in that stage with the earth as perfect as it has ever been. In that garden that referred to as paradise and, and the you know, beautiful, I'm just sure, beautiful trees, fruit trees, all flowering bushes, different things that are there. And all these things are now witness to his greatest and dearest creation. And as wonderful as all these other things are, they're not as personal to him is what's coming. He spoke all these other things into existence, but now it's time for man. And it says that God said, let us make man in our image. And he did. And God created man in his image. He formed man from the dust of the ground. And all that was created before that, that was spoken to existence, witnesses, all the angels that worship God, witness how God takes the time to form man and then to take a rib from Adam and to form Eve and create these beautiful people, God's people. Adam and Eve were God's people, and they were part of a plan. Shakespeare wrote this in one of his plays it says, all the world's a stage and all the men and women are merely players. They have their exits and their entrances. And one man in his time plays many parts, his acts being seven ages. 
Shakespeare, of course, you know, was a playwright, and he knew about the progression of stories, how that they would the curtain would come up in the opening act, and then as the play went on, it would build in the middle, and then at the end, before the curtain drops, there's a resolution, and and all the ends are neatly tied up, and everything's finished, and and that's where you see the end at the show. It's, it's all done, and that's the way uh, he wrote about man, that we all play a part in this world. It's like the world is a stage, and we're all here, and everything, every one of us has a part to play. And, and while Shakespeare can kind of give us a little insight into that, it's, it's, he's not telling us anything new. God's already design, designed this. And uh, the psalmist in Psalms 90 and 9, uh, he said, We spend our years as a tale that is told. In other words, your life is a story. But everything is just like creation. While we are individuals, and each one of us has our own story, and every day we make choices and decisions that write our story. There are people today celebrating because 24 years ago they decided they'd get married. That's part of their story. And there's people today that are uh, either starting a job or quitting a job. There are people that are going to make their way to an altar or walk away from an altar. People are doing things, making decisions. And every individual is, with his actions, is writing his story. But we are also, as individuals, all playing a part in a much bigger eternal story. And that's what people have to realize today. You can't just live for today but you have to live for eternity and the things that God has designed uh, he wants us to live our life with eternity in view that we know that there is something bigger than just me getting a new job or me paying my house off or me getting a raise but uh, there's there's souls hanging in the balance because eternity is coming one day and so just like Everything that in Scripture mirrors, you know, all of creation. Isaiah wrote that God created all the things he created, and he formed the world and created the earth so it could be inhabited. He was saying all the things that were created, all the millions of things that you can't see, all the invisible microbes and atoms and things like that, all these, all these elements are a part of his creation as a whole. Uh, the Bible says we being many members are all part of one big body. You know, I am part of the body of Christ, but I have my story. I have where I came from, what I've gone through, what I've yet to do. It's uh, being written every day. God orders my steps in his word. There, there are things that uh, I must choose to take and paths I have to walk on so my story can keep moving. And so... We need to realize today that we play a part in God's story. God has always had a plan. And while there are billions of individual stories being written, uh, this one story has one main character, and that's God. And we must realize, and, and it's sad because there's a lot of people today who do not believe that there is a God. And they, have, they can never find their purpose without knowing that. If the Bible says the fool has said in his heart that there is no God. A person lives a foolish life. I don't care how much money they make. It's not in the success of, 
uh, materials and things they gain. If, if you can't recognize that you have a creator, as the Bible tells me that I, I need to commit the keeping of my soul unto God as unto a faithful creator. I must realize that he's not just a supervisor over my life. He's my creator. He's my father. He, he is my savior. He's my friend, healer, deliverer. He's the ear that is always listening, the eyes that are always watching. He's the one that loves me more and purchased me with his own blood. And not understanding all these things about him, I can never really fulfill the part that he wants me to play in this life. But God um, has always had a plan for relationship with his people. The very act of creation, uh, it, it reflects how humans would be a central part of his plan. He put Adam and Eve in the midst that, of that garden. And he had a place. He, he was already figuring this out before there was day and night. He didn't just come up with this, but it was his plan from the beginning. That God, he is infinite and he exists beyond the expanse of time. He's always been working in ways that, that our little finite mind cannot comprehend. You can't, you drive yourself crazy trying to f- understand how God is. How, how did he just exist? How does something just exist? I say, I got to move before everybody starts melting. Because you, our mind can't grasp that. Maybe uh, one day when we're there with him, he'll enlighten us to how that works. I don't know. What I do believe is that he is real because I know what he's done in my life. And what I can uh, understand is this, and what I can believe is this, is that he loves me, that he gave himself for me, and that he filled me with his spirit. But to just understand him, Moses declared him as uh, to be from everlasting to everlasting. Paul uh, professed him as the king eternal, immortal. And then in Revelation 1 and 8, God declared himself timeless and everlasting. And so uh, he is self-existent, but he's not an immovable God that is somewhere way off in the cosmos that uh, never has any, ever has any interaction with us. He, is, uh, he reigns as king of kings and lord of lords in perfect, complete wisdom. And his overarching plan across time was launched with the genesis of humanity and his desire to bring humanity into eternal fellowship with him. God already was walking with his people and talking with his people. Maybe it was just two, but it was his people. And he was walking with them and talking with them. He didn't create them and then remove himself from them. His desire was to have a creation that uh, was in his image that uh, he gave them free will. But they chose there in the beginning to fellowship with him and to walk with him and remember as Paul says we read it that even before he made the world he loved us and he chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes the Bible says that the Lamb of God was slain before the foundation of the world God already had a plan for this this creation that he loved so much to fix them when they fell and I'm glad he did and so as we start looking at, over the next few lessons, about this big story that, that we're involved in, we have to understand that it was a divine plan that God, he didn't roll the dice and let's say, hey, let's see where we, where we land. It was already in his mind. 
he already knew what he was going to do. And our God of wonders, uh, he, he made many majestic creations. But these people that he made, these humans he made, he made us with free will and the choice to love him. You know, he loves us regardless. God is love. There's not a single soul born into this planet today. And as time rolls on, there's not a soul that will be born that he will not love. He loves every living, breathing soul. All souls are his. That's what he said. He declares it himself. But we have a choice whether to love him or not. We don't have to love him. We don't have to serve him. We don't have to obey him. We do not have to do what he said to do. Even if we know there are consequences, we can still refuse to do what God has asked to do. God told Adam, said, you're free to eat anywhere in this garden except, and yet Adam and Eve still chose. They were not forced. And we say, well, they were tricked. They were deceived. But they chose to go against the word that God had given them. And even though God had uh, angels to worship him and creatures of every kind that reflect his craftsmanship, his final feat of creation was to make you and I, to make us. And God's creation of humanity is wondrous. It's beautiful. People are beautiful. They're wonderful. But today, human life is of so little value. I'm not going to get into politics and what you believe on that, but the way that human life is destroyed each day is, is pitiful, and, and I'm sure it breaks the heart of God. But people, the way they, I'm not just talking about abortions, I'm talking about murder. The way people, uh, drugs and the things they do to destroy the human body and destroy their life, the, the value of this vessel is, is at an all-time low. I will say that uh, animal life most of the time is valued much more than human life. Now, let me say this because I know there's some animal lovers in the house. <laughs> and I love animals. I love, I love God's creation, all of it. it. Tastes good when it's cooked right. <laughs> well, I do not believe in animal cruelty. I think that people who uh, treat animals cruel, uh, they're the kind of people that kill people. What I will say is that people just don't view human life or what God created and what he formed to be in his image. They just don't think very much about it. There was, uh, in 2005, the London Zoo actually put on display, they did a a contest and they had some contestants and they had eight men and women and they actually put eight men and women in a cage beside the where the ape exhibit was and uh, let people come by and as these humans just entertained themselves in a cage so that people could walk by and look at them and one of the, the participants said well when they see humans as animals uh, here it's kind of it reminds us that we're really not that special. But that's not what the Bible says about us. The psalmist said in Psalm 139 14, I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works and that my soul knoweth right well. There's something that uh, we must understand without becoming 
self-lovers where that we put ourselves above everything else, but understanding and, and knowing, you should know this in your soul, that God created you in his image. Whether you serve him or not, there ought to be an understanding that God created me in his image. And the psalmist said, I'm going to praise God for who I am. We may not like the way and the effects of time on our bodies. I know that many of us look in the mirror and see that older person and wonder where uh, that youthful hair went or, or if your hair is even there at all anymore or, uh, or where did this extra person come from because it seems like I'm carrying somebody else. It's, uh, you know, the gray is replacing the, the blonde and things like that, and you, you, you're aging. And, but I'm thankful for how God made us. I'm thankful for what we can do as his uh, greatest creation. And I'm thankful uh, for the life and for the things he gives us to enjoy. I'm thankful to be created in the image of God. But uh, God did not create us because he lacked something or he, because he was needy. He, he uh, created us even though he knew that we could choose not to fellowship with him. He gave us free will. He didn't make us robots or puppets. He, didn't, uh, he, he had angels created to worship. He had animals and things he could look at to testify of his greatness. But uh, he created man for fellowship, communion, to be with him. And uh, he gave us uh, the ability to choose. And, and choice is a very powerful thing. Choice, uh, you know, uh, people want to be chosen. People want to make the right choices. And, you know, I, I can remember uh, in, in elementary school when we'd be in, in P.E. or even after that we'd be on the playground during recess or something and we'd want to play Red Rover or if you're going to play kickball or something. You know, you, you're choosing teams. Nobody wanted to be chosen last. Because, man, you know, everybody knew it. You're the last one. you like Charlie Brown standing over there by yourself. Everybody's high-fiving their team members and there you are. By yourself. That's bad. It's tough. But, you know, God created us last. But he saved the best for last. He created that earthen vessel that he knew that he was going to come dwell in one day. All these other things he created, and he took great care, and they created not that he slacked on them. He created them so wonderfully. But there wasn't another creation like man. There wasn't another creation like Adam. Adam was uh, the, that first Adam in his image. And, and just, uh, you know, I guess maybe one day we'll see Adam. I don't, you know, uh, wondering what he looked like. Uh, I'm sure those storybooks we used to read in the dentist office while we were waiting with Adam and Eve, uh, they looked a little too North American to, to be, <laughs> probably to be his creation. But, uh, Boy, they was perfect, wasn't they? They was perfect. Hairstyled and everything. I mean, it was, I don't know who was cutting hair and who was curling, but it was, they looked good. But I'm sure they were beautiful. And what made them so beautiful was the glory of God that was on them and the fellowship they had with him. And, and he didn't just create them to be trophies in his garden. To say, hey, look what I've done. But he gave them instruction. 
He wanted them involved. He brought every animal to Adam to see what he would call it. And he said, and whatever he calls it, that's going to be the name of it. I'm not going to change it. So if, you know, just supposing Adam said platypus, God said, all right. Maybe it's just like when your child has some funny name for spaghetti or something like and Don't you always hate it when they finally start saying it right? You know. <laughs> Somebody's tickled. But, you know, whatever he said, God was, yep, that's it. You know. Uh, I don't know. I, I'd like to see that on video. Uh, maybe God will have that playing uh, one day. But, you know, God gave us a choice. Created us with the free will. And that's a very wonderful thing to have. Because it also gives us the ability to choose not to do wrong. It gives us the ability to choose right. When Joshua spoke to Israel in Joshua 24 and 15... He told them, you choose who you're going to serve, and, and you, you choose uh, if you're going to serve the Lord. He said, me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. That's our choice. We're making a choice to serve God. And then uh, in Revelation 3 and 20, all the way at the other end of the book, Jesus stands knocking at the door. But he says, if any man hear my voice and open, I'll come in. If he chooses to open the door, then I'll come in and sup with him. God's not going to push past our will to save us. He wants us to choose him because of the great things that he has done for us. Peter wrote in 1 Peter 2 and 9 that now we are a chosen generation. In John 15 and 16, he said that we were chosen and ordained. Jesus said, I have chosen you. And ordains you. In other words, I've got purpose for you. I've got a reason for you being here. And, and then he went on to say in verse 19, And I chose you out of the world. I took you from things that uh, were not like me. Because you're supposed to be like me. Because you're supposed to be holy because I'm holy. He saved his creation. By shedding his blood to wash away our sins. And so... Uh, God made us uh, in the very dramatic opening act of th this big story in creation. And he did not make us, like I said, as little pets to do tricks for him. We were designed with relationship and purpose in view because God delights in communion with his people. Don't you understand that God likes spending time with you? We always talk about, well, I can't wait to get in the presence of the Lord. Well, don't you think that he enjoys that just as much? I think sometimes that people think it's only one way. That uh, I come because I want to get into his presence, but God's really big and busy, and uh, he's just, oh, that's nice. No, God wants to fellowship with you. God wants to bless you and touch you and commune with you and, and let you know. He didn't want you to just read words that say, he loathes me daily with benefits. He wants you to feel the effect of that. You know, he didn't want you to just read about praise. He wants you to praise because he inhabits the praises of his people. And he wants you to feel his presence as it rushes into the room. And, and uh, he, he didn't just put the Holy Ghost in us uh, uh, so it could 
only come out at church time, but the Bible says that the Holy Ghost adopted us. He, he said, I'm giving you this so you can be mine, so I can call you. Uh, all souls are here, right? But he said, I want you to be part of my bride, part of this body, part of the church, and I want to adopt you and make you uh, not just friends and, and brothers. He said, I'll make you sons and daughters. Now are we the children of God. God made something out of us, and God wants to continue you know, there's nothing I believe he desires more than to have that fellowship like he had with Adam and Eve before they uh, chose to disobey him. And this big story repeats this theme in every act. It's nowhere more evident than in the perfect paradise the first family inhabited. The very act of God creating man illustrates intimacy. And for every other cre- creation, God spoke a word and the creature appeared But humanity was different. Almighty God made his people with his own hands out of the dust of the ground. Genesis 2 and 7 says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. We can't live without God. We were nothing but just a lump of clay without God. There was nothing for us. We we would have been furniture in the garden if he had not breathed into us that breath of life. And so you just think how that uh, he breathed into that man and man became alive and, and knew there was purpose. God began to tell him, this is what you can do, what you cannot do. This is what I want you to, to say and, and uh, you know, to have him bring these animals. You name them. Give them a name. What are we going to call them? And, and you're going to tend and keep this garden. And then uh, you're going to be a part of creation. You're not just going to be an ornament here. The first couple's choice was to be with this loving father. They walked through paradise together, and they were content to be in the presence of the one who gave life, and the giver was content simply to be with his children. And in this act before the curtain dropped, the scene was complete as God spent intimate time with his people every day. That's why it's so important to have devotional time and and Bible reading time or or, or Bible listening time, whatever it is, however you get get that word into you. And why it's so important to come into the house of God with the saints of God because where there are two or more gathered in his name, he's there in the midst. And and, uh, again, he inhabits the praises of his people. And so we know that when we come together in his name and we begin to praise and worship that the presence of God is in this place, You're, you're in the presence of uh, of the Creator. It's your Father's house. And this is where you learn about your part of the plan. As part of His plan, in the beginning, God gave His people dominion and purpose. The most detailed zoology and botany textbooks cannot qualify, quantify the scope of God's creation. He made a stunning universe of living things, and God placed his people as stewards over all those living things as well as the earth itself. So you see that when you look back now in the beginning, you realize that when he said you're going to be over this creation, it was all creation. Genesis 1 and 28, and God blessed them and said unto them, Be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. God himself began this big story with purpose and work, even in creation. So it's paradise, but guess what? There was work in paradise. And he likewise endowed his newly created family with a purpose and with authority. And as God, as God and his people worked together and communed together, they were united in purpose. 
And even the scripture tells us today, for we are workers together with him. We're working for the kingdom with him. And so we, we need to make sure that the ways we, we work, serve, and lead honor the design that God has for our life. As the curtain falls on the first act, the happy couple, Adam and Eve, enjoy the tranquility of the garden and the intimacy with their father. And because they yielded and joined in God's plan, life was perfect. It'll never be more perfect than when you are lined up with his word and in obedience to his word. We conclude the first act with the deduction that even in our day, that our submission to God's master plan will bring abundant blessings. Again, if we are willing and obedient, we shall eat the good of the land. God told his people Israel, he said, when you do these things and keep my word, he said, all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. And so we, we realize that God is a blessing God, a rewarding God. He's always taking care of us and making sure we have all of our needs, all of our desires, as long as we are doing what he asks us to do. As part of this story, we have a role as his children with an inheritance. Just as Adam and Eve enjoyed the blessings of their father, we have privileges today. We are his children made by him, redeemed by his blood, and we bear his name. We are children. We are heirs with privileges. In Galatians 4 and 7, Paul wrote, Wherefore thou art no more a servant, a servant to the world, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. We have been adopted by the Spirit. We have not received again the spirit of bondage to fear, but we have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. We, it gives us a, a revelation, a realization even, that this God that we serve is, is not just some uh, boss man sitting around somewhere, but he is our Father. And, and how wonderful to know that our Father is the King of glory. That our Father is the Savior of the world. And if he is that King and that Savior, then he's ours. And we have uh, a heritage. We have access to him. Uh, unfettered access to God as long as we are in his will. The Bible says God does not hear the prayer of sinners. But if any man be a worshiper, and we know that iniquity separates us from God. so But when we are... Following him, there's uh, nothing that uh, he won't do for us. It's, he hears that prayer. He's not like a busy parent who, who cannot respond to their child and uh, to that request. Uh, uh, our God always hears and responds to our cry. Many writers in the psalm especially, I cried unto the Lord and he delivered me. Uh, or in my distress I cried and, and God delivered me. And I love the Lord because he has heard my voice uh, he is, uh, the scripture says, he is nigh unto them who call upon him in truth and, and that he hears the prayers of the righteous. God is listening. God is watching. But he responds to that ultimate plea for us to be saved. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do. And it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace that he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. That's what Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus. And so when we think about creation and the power that he commands just in his word 
as equally astounding as God's power, it is God's grace. Because he delights in forgiving our sins and making us his children. That's his desire. It is not the Lord's will that any perish, but that all come to repentance. God does not desire us to be lost, to to uh, be suffering. He, he wants to save us, to bless us. He knows that we'll have hard days, that we'll have trials. In the world, you'll have tribulation. He said that. He said, but be of good cheer. When they were so heartbroken, that knowing that he was going to depart, he said, don't let your heart be troubled and don't let it be afraid. And he began to tell them about, I'm coming again so I can take you to a place where, where I am. You can be also. Even there, God, see, God's trying to work that plan. I want you with me. I want fellowship with you forever. And that would have been Adam and Eve. There was no aging process in the garden. They would not age. They wouldn't have gotten old. They were, you know, they were there. And that's where they would have stayed had they been obedient. And so I'm glad today that even though God can command worlds into existence, what he delights in most is, is letting that grace fall upon us, washing us in his blood, calling us by his name, filling us with his spirit. And so realizing that he's done all these things, he saved me for a reason, for a purpose. There, there's something he wants us to do. So in the addition to the blessings we have as God's children, God longs to include us in the big story with an active purpose. God immediately involved Adam and Eve in his grand design and gave them responsibility and authority to fulfill a purpose in his plan. And that's the way God is today. He still gives gifts to those who yield to his plan and his purpose. We quote it all the time. Oh, for I know the plans that I think toward you. God's got plans for you. Uh, in this, just reading through the scripture, some plant, some water. In other words, they have a job in this kingdom. The Bible says, and God gave some apostles, prophets, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers for the perfecting of the saints. He gave that. He gave those gifts to men so that they could help fulfill the kingdom work. And uh, he said, you'll be light and you'll be salt. You'll have uh, a purpose in this world. And he said, pray that God would send laborers into the harvest. That's you and me. God's got a design for us even in this day. And so Paul wrote to the church in Ephesians in chapter 2 and verse 10, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Even our very life, the life you live each day, from the time you have accepted him and, and been baptized in his name, repentant of your sins, filled with the Holy Ghost. Once you have been born again, that transformative power that happens in your life, from that point on, the, the, the way you walk, the way you talk, the things you do, your life is a testimony of what God can do. But for people to see what he can do, you've got to be obedient to his word. You've got to live by the word so that now they can see you're not living by the world anymore, but you're living according to the things that God has designed, just, just like Adam and Eve. As long as they, uh, in that garden, people knew, hey, or angels knew, the ones that were there that could understand it, they're being obedient to God's word. Hey, how come Adam and Eve got kicked out? They were disobedient to God's word. It's evident in, in people's lives when people are not obedient and when they are obedient. I want to be obedient to God's word. I want to uh, 
honor the sacrifice that he made. It doesn't mean that we won't make mistakes, but I don't want to ever be just willful in choosing to disobey God and walk away from God. God places us into the body of Christ, and each of us, each of us carrying out a function to see that the body is unified in doing his work, just like a body is joined together and it works for one purpose. You know, it's sometimes you know, we, we feel like, well, I, my mind says I need to do this, but uh, you know, my body says I'm going to do this. We feel like uh, I, my mind says I got to get up and go to work. My body's saying, no, you're going to stay in the bed. You know, we feel like they're working against each other sometimes. But uh, ultimately the body, it's, it's, the body doesn't say, well, you just stay here. I'll go. Sometimes there's people we think maybe left their brain at home. But ultimately this, this body works together for one purpose, to get me through the day. To get me, you know, if, you're, if you have a job, you get up and you're, this body, it goes with you to work. You work with this body and you earn a living with this body and you come home and see your family with this body and do all that. But this body also tells people about Jesus, right. teaches Bible studies, prays for people, worships God, has a bigger, it, while it has that role in this individual life of being a mom or a dad or a son or a daughter, it also has the responsibility of being a child of the king, being a saint of God, being born again, filled with the Holy Ghost. And so uh, we can't be so focused on this life that we do see that we forget there's a life that we haven't seen yet. Well, his eye has not seen and ears not heard the things that God has prepared for them that love him. And we choose to love him. There was a, a story that I read about a, a little baby. I'll just call him Baby Nick. And he was born in another country. When he was born, he was born without any limbs. He had no arms or legs. And his parents, of course, were just distraught. And, you know, why did this happen? And, of course, other than not having arms or legs, he was healthy. But how kids can be, he grew up being bullied and made fun of. And he began, even as a young boy, to be very depressed. And he would be bitter because what good am I? I'm just going to be a burden to my parents the rest of my life. I'll never get married. I'll never have a family. I'll never have the things that other people have. And he had thought about ending his own life because he didn't want to just be a burden. But then he saw another child that was just like him. He was younger. And he said, in his own words, he said, something happened to me that day when I saw that child because I realized I could help that child. And this boy, Nick, he started going and doing motivational speaking and going to hospitals and speaking to people who had these illnesses and things like that and began to travel not just in his own country but around the world. And he realized that he was part of a bigger plan. And while he didn't understand what was going on with him right now and how he at first when just looking through his own eyes all he saw was limitation. But then he says, but then I saw that God could take this and use it to reach people that fully formed people could not reach. 
And he embraced the purpose that God had given him. And he's still, you know, testifying and working and, and helping and, and speaking today with people that are born with these, these illnesses and these, you know, no limbs. What's my purpose? And there he comes to tell them, look, I've already lived what you lived. And, and you know, sometimes we feel like that even, uh, you know, as far as everything working and functioning, hey, here we are. And yet we feel like we don't measure up or, or what good are we. But you've got to see the big picture. That God created you for a reason. He created you in his image to do for him, to work for him. And, and maybe you don't see, maybe, you know, you look at yourself and you thought, well, this is where I, where I thought I would be or this is what I thought I would be doing by this time in my life. But... Maybe it's because you haven't opened that door that God's got for you. And if you would just do, you'll never be more content and happy than when you're doing what God has called you to do. To be in, in his will, walking in his ways. And so, as we start out with our first lesson in this series, you've got to realize that God's got a plan for you. A divine plan for each one of us. And, and every life has ups and downs and twists and turns and, and things that we, we, sometimes things we see coming, sometimes things we don't see coming. But that doesn't stop what God's got for us. That does not stop. You know, Paul thought he was doing the work of God, persecuting the church. He never saw it coming that he would be preaching the gospel of Christ. And so God said, let me knock you down and blind you and talk to you. And then he realized that it was the Lord he was persecuting. What a turn his life had taken now. And he becomes such a mighty evangelist, writes uh, the, the bigger part of the New Testament that we read and preach from that encourages us. Is Paul that wrote things like, I am persuaded that nothing can separate me and that we're more than conquerors and and I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. We, we quote, quote this man's words so many times, and he never thought he would say these things about Jesus. He wanted people to deny Jesus. So you never know. If you'll just listen and be obedient to what God's got for you, you'll find that you are part of a bigger plan. God's got to work for you, honey, if you'll come on this morning. Let's stand together this morning and just... I'm thankful, and I can tell you this, maybe you don't know fully yet what that plan is that God has for you, but I can assure you, as sure as I am standing here in shoe leather, that God's got a plan for you. I may not know what it is. You might not realize it yet. It may not have uh, opened, opened up yet to you, but I promise you, God's got a, a purpose. You think that Jesus just decided one day, Toward the end of those three years of his life, hmm, looked at them twelve disciples and said, "Any, many, mighty, mo, I guess I'll give the keys to Peter." He knew from the time he spoke to Peter on the banks of that seashore that this was the man that he was going to give the keys to the kingdom of God to. But Peter had to walk and follow and slip and fall and make mistakes and learn all along the way. He was a man who we read about denying the Lord in one of the most awful times to deny him. When people, after he had just swore 
though everybody deny you, even in peril of my life, I won't leave you. But Jesus knew. And yet, a few days after that, a little over 50 days after that, we find Peter standing up preaching a message that birthed the church. Under the anointing of the Holy Ghost, he takes those keys. The low fisherman leaves the family fishing business to preach the opening message at the creation of the body. Isn't that wonderful? You don't ever know what God's got for you unless you keep walking and keep hanging in there. Let's lift our hands and thank Him this morning for being part of the plan. Oh, we love you this morning, Jesus. We praise you today. Thank you for calling us out of darkness into marvelous light and forming us and making us in your creation. I'm thankful for the blood that washes our sins away and I'm thankful for the Holy Ghost that adopts us into the body. God, let us walk worthy. Let us serve you in sincerity and truth. Let us be faithful to the plan, God. Use us for your glory in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise and a shout this morning. What a great God we serve. No matter the background, God knows what he's doing. One man, I've quoted this a lot lately, one man said, he chose us out of the dust and out of the dunghill to put us in palaces and sit us among royalty, among princes. So he could have got somebody a lot more cleaned up and nice and educated to do that. He could. But he said, you just don't know what I can do with a little bit of dust. You just don't know what I can do with something that looks like a mess. I can make some great things. I'm thankful to be made in his image today. Praise God. God bless you. Let's find a place to pray before the next service.